As most of you know, we are in a prayer emphasis the first three weeks of January. This is our last week of that. And uh, two weeks ago, I talked about knowing the God who is, who does, and who delights. And last week, we really just we spoke challenge to your heart to really soften your heart. And this week, we're going to talk about prayer directly, asking God. Uh, we're going to look at Gospel of John, but uh, let me just mention a verse out of Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5, verse 9, translated literally, it's about Messiah's people, the church, and a little literal translation says, lift up your hand over your harassers, and all your enemies will come to an end. Now, some of the English translations just say, you will live, it will happen, but really, literally in Hebrew, it's a he feel from my, our budding Hebrew students, if any of them are here. Uh, lift up your hand over your harassers, and all your enemies will be, come to an end. In other words, it's a, it's a portion about the Messiah and his people, the church, ultimately, and it's saying that Messiah's people will rule the earth. Now the question is, how are we going to rule the earth? And of course, we learn from Jesus that we're going to rule and reign. We practice our rule and reign right now through prayer. That when we pray and we're asking God to change the things around us, we are beginning to exercise the rulership that we'll experience in the final heavenly kingdom. So we need answers to prayer. So we're going to look today at how we're going to experience answers to prayer. So in John 14 to 16, 14 to 17, uh, Jesus gives several keys to answered prayer. So I just plucked three out. There's more than three, but I plucked three out of that. The first key to answered prayer is asking to be led by the Spirit. So look at John 14, and I'll admit, now, those of you that know Roxy, she comes and visits Sojourn about every two to three months, kind of gets her little Sojourn injection. And uh, when she handed me some cards, I was like, this is a little odd. I mean, I admit, okay, I was just like, oh my goodness, what is this going to be, you know? So I, okay, oh Lord, you know? <laughs> you don't know what pastors go through sometimes, but anyway, okay. And then I pick out the verse I was preaching on. It's like, ooh. That's pretty impressive, yeah. So here we go. Let's uh, read John 14. We'll read verses 12 through 17. Uh, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Let's pray. So Lord, we ask you to open your word as we explore the scriptures this morning. Probably it will not be a lot of new information. But Father, I pray that you would ignite what we read and hear to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 14 to 16 is Jesus' last intimate teaching with his disciples. And in fact, we're told that right before he begins teaching, uh, Judas, you know, goes and leaves. And so now we really have Jesus and the 11 faithful disciples, more or less faithful. Of course, they have their own struggles, as we learn. And in fact, he predicts Peter's denial. 
Uh, and so here's the last moments, all these chapters, the last moments of crucial teaching. First thing, verse 12, he says, do what I do. In other words, what is the ministry of the church? It's the ministry of Jesus multiplied because there's a bunch of us. So prayer centers on the concerns of the ministry of Jesus, right? To reveal Jesus to people, to bring everyone closer to him. And he says we can expect greater miracles because he goes to the Father. In other words, to fill in the theology a little bit, we know from the book of Hebrews that what is Jesus doing in heaven right now? He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for the church. So he's saying, I'm gonna intercede for you. I'm gonna be up there. So you're gonna do greater things than I've done. And this is the part that you just don't know what to do with, right? I will do whatever you ask. But again, notice the context. It's in the ministry of Jesus, the heart of Jesus, whatever we ask. So here's the first quiz question. What do you really want? Check the larger context of the passage. You'll see it's kingdom motivated. So he's going to work on us to want the right things. So in other words, anything that's in line with God's will to glorify the Father in the Son. I'll just make some application for a moment before we go on. Sojourn Campus Church. Campus meaning, especially in our case, the University of Minnesota. As we are spending three weeks in prayer... I wonder if the Holy Spirit is asking us, what do we want? What are we asking for? Is our hearts yearning for increased ministry to students, to see a flourishing ministry to every student, people, group, or nation at the University of Minnesota, whether that is ethnic or school or calling fraternities, medical school, pharmacy, dental school, all these different areas to see God really release. What do we want? He says he'll give us whatever we ask. What are we asking for? And how do we know how to pray to glorify God? Now, that's why I kept us reading. A lot of times we stop at wherever the editors stick little, little words, right? But don't do that. Always read a little more. Just make sure, right? So he says, I'll give you, uh, if you love me, you'll be what I command. And I'll ask the Father and he'll give you the Holy Spirit. So notice he's connecting here. Ask whatever you want. And I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit. And so our prayer life needs to be connected to our life with the Holy Spirit. In other words, how do we know how to pray to glorify God become a disciple of the Holy Spirit. The ordinary, you know, this was interesting. Whether you read Luke, I always joke, Luke's the Pentecostal, right? right? You know, get filled with the Spirit, you know, speak in tongues, prophesy, do all of that, right? Uh, Paul is the vineyard guy, right? You know, he talks about being filled with the Spirit and have all, they have all the gifts, right? You know, <laughs> and uh, John is the 
kind of the Campus Crusade Keswick Evangelical, right? You know, you get the power of the Spirit, your life is going to be changed, right? Well, it's all God, right? It's all... But he's saying the ordinary Christian life is one saturated with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we didn't read enough. Hold on. Uh, verse uh, 17 the counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Now that's because Jesus has not died and resurrected yet. So that he has already, his disciples, while he was on earth, they know the presence of the spirit, but he say, after he dies and is raised, the Holy Spirit will be in you, disciples. Okay, so now for us, that's already true. Then verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now here is my first yearning for you, to not live as if you're an orphan. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, what the Word of God says is you can live by the power, the triune power of God, the Spirit of God in you. You can live in fellowship with God all the time, never orphaned. You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody here have an orphan spirit? I had an orphan spirit. It was a sunny afternoon in summer of 1972, and it was kind of odd. I hadn't seen my dad in a couple of weeks. I said, Mom, where's Dad? His dad's not coming home anymore. My heart shut down, and I carried that with me even three or four years after conversion at age 18, three years later. And I just thought, that's how it is. We're just always alone. Now, you might not have as dramatic an experience of that, but many of us, even as believers, still have an orphan spirit. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. Maybe you have something you've wrestled with. Maybe, oh, was that wrong? Was it not wrong? Like she went through, right? And we think, God won't be with me. It's a lie. Jesus said, Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. But what he meant was, the Spirit of God living in you, not some theoretical, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, yeah, I'm, I, I'm Orthodox. The Holy Spirit wants to live in you. Jesus died on the cross so the Spirit of God could live in you. Yes, born, make you born again, but that you could experience that living Spirit of God in you all the time. And I know what keeps you from it. Lies, unbelief, fear, confess your sins, he'll forgive you, and he will again fill you with his spirit. Live in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Don't live less than what Jesus died on the cross for. His spirit is there. You'll not be orphaned because the spirit will keep us in fellowship with God the Father and God the Son. So how do we focus this? Our first lesson then is to start praying for the things that glorify God, ask for the Holy Spirit, and then learn to sense the Spirit's leading in prayer. You know, when the Holy Spirit's leading towards something, God's about to move. <laughs> now, you can pray for everything on your heart, right? But I do encourage you, learn to stop, pause, and listen to the Holy Spirit. Anybody like me compulsive? So as a brand new Christian, right, I'm like, okay, I got to pray for things, you know. So I have this little sheet of paper next to you know, my Bible, you know, folded in thirds, you know what I'm saying? So I start out with, you know, mom, dad, sister, you know. I mean, pretty soon, man, you can barely read that. It's so filled with, you know, pen or ink. I remember what I, you know, all these things. I got paper, you know what I mean? It was like, that was a long list. Then I began to realize, well, I just can't do that, right? And so letting the Spirit lead you even in prayer. Some of us are defeated by our own compulsiveness in prayer. 
Right? Let God show you how to pray. When the Spirit highlights something, God's moving. So the first key to answered prayer is asking, but asking led by the Holy Spirit. Another key to answered prayer, we're going to jump ahead a chapter, abiding in Christ. Look at John 15. We'll read verses 4 through 7. But I want to encourage you, if you've not yet done this in your Christian life, memorize at least John 15, verses 1 through 17. I'm serious now. Memorize at least John 15, verses 1 through 17, and spend several weeks, maybe really several years, ultimately, on and off, meditating on this. You'll see why in a moment. Let's start reading in, I believe, verse 4. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit, the analogy is vine and branches. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The word remain there in NIV is meno, abide or dwell. The the idea is live totally in Jesus all the time. Yeah. Just abide, dwell, saturate in Jesus all the time. I learned something from um, my first wife, Michelle. She was deceased, but she, uh, she, you, could buy, you can buy a tough, cheap cut of meat, and you can soak it in wine and herbs overnight. And by the next day, you have tasty, tender beef. Yeah. So also us. If we marinate our soul in Jesus, we become soft toward God with tasty fruit in our character. Right? You just soak and soak and soak. And you change. Verse 4 says you can't bear fruit alone. Our connection, vine and branch is obvious, right? Our connection is the nutrition to bear fruit. Verse 5, if we abide, there will be fruit. It's going to happen. You wonder, oh, I want to make a difference in my life. Abide in Christ. You will change fruit of the Spirit, and you will change others the fruit of ministry. You abide in him, you'll change. But verse 7 is the one I want you to really grab onto. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, you see the trick, right? Some of you get it already. Oh, I ask whatever I want. Yeah, if you abide in him and his words abide in you and change you, guess what? It's going to change what you ask for, (laughs) right? So here's the open secret of the Christian life. You know, you're praying and praying and praying, Lord, 
give me, you know, I don't know what, a million bucks, whatever, you know. Okay, well, maybe he wants to, maybe he doesn't, you know. But you, know, you pray, pray, pray. And then you're abiding in the word of God, and pretty soon you're like, wow, what about my neighbor? Oh, Lord. And you ever had that happen? Like, it's, at first, it's just a fleeting thought, and then it grows, and it grows, and grows. Pretty soon you have a godly burden. Lord, what about that neighbor? And you're beginning to pray the heart of God for them. And lo and behold, you bake them cookies and the doors open up, right? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, of course, the correlation is obvious. As we let the word of God abide in us, we get the mind of God what to pray and we get more of God's heart so we care enough to pray. Prayer is the artless conviction that you, when you speak, somebody's listening. It doesn't take a lot of brains. It takes a lot of heart. The Bible says when we do that, God will answer. Prayer is love. You want to change somebody's life? I invite all of us, but think about people with leadership responsibilities at KPA, small group leaders, mentors, disciplers, ministry leaders, here's a thought. Would you invest daily prayer in one or two people for a year and watch what happens? Just pick out one or two people and pray every day for a year. You know, much of what I am, and we're still praying, but much, and I won't say much because it's my kids and they're here and I don't want to, you know, but many things that have happened in the last several years, I was at the end of what I could say directly as a parent, but I was never at an end of what I could say to the Lord. Daily prayer. And I pray for them every day, my wife, I pray for many of you in key ministries nearly every day. Right, Because the most important thing I can do is not preach on a Sunday morning or do premarital counseling, although there's a ton of that. Apparently, I'm going to do this year. The most important thing I can do for you is pray. The most important thing you can do for me is pray. Because if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Whew. What? <laughs> Is that getting in yet? What? So the question is, what do we want? So the second key is abiding in Christ. One last key today is unity. So after he instructs his disciples, and if you want to learn about the Holy Spirit, read John 14, 15, and 16, all right? But we're going to jump ahead, and then he goes alone to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays for the church, uh, for, excuse me, he prays for the disciples for 19 verses, and then look at verse 20, and let's read 20 to 23. You'll notice he's praying for the, all of the church through history at that point. Verse 20, after praying for the disciples, he says, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, okay, here we all are, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, 
may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. So Jesus is praying in Gethsemane. He prays for our unity. Notice in verse 21, he's praying for the unity of purpose shared by the Father and Son in the Trinity, staggering. And he says that when the church is united, the world believes that Jesus has come from God. And verse 23, when, you're, when we are united, the world will know that God loves them. Think about that. I've done a little bit of apologetics in my time. You know, university ministry, right? Five, Thomas's five means of the existence of God. James Sire, way back in the day, Francis Schaeffer, others presenting material. But Jesus is saying that they'll believe when the church is united. Revival, student revival, Winky Pratt, and he made the observation that every revival historically, you'll see two things, prayer and unity of the visible church. Maybe just mystical, but it's also kind of Practical, think about it. When people of different temperament, personality, and ways of being are truly unified, something supernatural is going on, right? When people on opposite end of the political spectrum can love one another in Jesus Christ, something supernatural is going on. That's exactly the sort of thing. When people of different ethnic backgrounds, racial uh, habits, ways of being can truly get along and love one another in Christ, When jocks and geeks can get along in Christ and goths, you remember those? Some of you are like, what is a goth? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Kind of like a punker in black clothes, you know, sort of, yeah, okay. Anyway, (laughs) right? And getting along in Jesus, yeah. That's a demonstration of something deeper going on. When you love someone not easy to love, something deeper is going on. Jesus is really praying for our maturity. And mature believers love more easily and are usually easier to love, you know, if they're not too, you know, quirky. So we're pursuing mature love, but we're especially uniting around God's heart for the church, glorifying his name. The third key to answer prayer is unity. So very simple, really, this morning. The content is simple, but I'm asking us to line up our hearts, right? Keys to answered prayer, being led by the Spirit in how we ask, abiding in Christ, and then being unified as a church in the Father and the Son. Now think about that. In other words, answered prayer is a Trinitarian experience within the church, right? We're led by the Spirit, we're abiding in Christ, experiencing the unity of the Father and the Son. So I am inviting you, say, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't don't be satisfied with not really touching God. God wants to touch you. And open your soul. Say, Lord, fill me. Give me your power. I need your leading of your Spirit to even be able to pray rightly. 
When we are weak, he is strong. And to abide in Christ, and again, I exhort you, memorize at least a couple verses out of John 15, and make it part of your soul to live, to abide in Christ. You know, some wrestle with addictive behaviors and habits, and and your mind is running everywhere. One of the greatest healings and source of strength and self-control is to fill your mind with Scripture Take about 20 minutes, half hour a day, meditatively think through it, recite it, pray through it, and ask God to give you his power of his spirit. And I'm telling you, once in a while, to unplug from every other input and to really let his scripture, by his spirit, mold your soul, you're going to see answers to prayer. And do all of this in unity together. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray together briefly right now. But I am going to make an opportunity. If you'd like to receive prayer, we always do this, but I think maybe more. You you just see, man, I just need to be refreshed in the spirit of God that you are wanting to be led in your prayers. You want power in your prayers. Uh, Really, I'm going to pray for people to experience the power of the Spirit. And then this Wednesday, uh, be my turn to lead the prayer meeting. And we're going to revisit this to some extent. We'll spend some time interceding, specifically for the University of Minnesota. We're going to spend some time uh, abiding in Christ and a little bit of time waiting before the Lord on your own. And then we'll have time of just listening to the Lord together. And so be prepared for that as we prepare for Wednesday night. So let's just open our hearts in prayer. And uh, then if we want to receive more from the Lord, I hope you do. (laughs) Uh, Let's do that. So Holy Spirit, we come before you and we ask that you would pour out your life and your power in every one of us. Fill us again, Lord, with your spirit that we could live in Christ, that we could live in fellowship with the triune God, that we could know your presence and your power. We thank you, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'd you'd pour your spirit out on every one of us and that you would begin to ignite our souls to first of all, fill us, heal us, lift the anxieties, bring your peace. But Father, we pray as well, Lord, that then when you bring us into that wholeness of soul and fullness in you, We pray you'd begin to give us your heart for the peoples around us that don't know you. We'd have your heart. We'd begin to know how to pray. We'd begin to be directed in prayer. And then we'd watch as you open doors for the gospel. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. A couple questions. First of all, and close your eyes just because I think it's a good idea. Uh, You say, okay, I am really going to commit to abiding in Christ this year. I'm not going to try to live on my own steam. Just raise your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Say, I just really want to abide. Leave your hand raised for a moment. Just let's cry out to the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we do ask, Lord, for grace to seek and to live in you, not to live in our human steam and energy, not to try to create Uh, momentum and energy and our human ability, but Lord, that we would abide in Christ. We pray that John 15 
would come to characterize us as a church. That we could live in Christ, centered in Christ, filled in Christ, oh God. Hallelujah, Lord. Second question. And we just say, you know, I honestly, I need, I need to be filled with the Spirit this morning. I'm just, I'm dry. I'm empty. Again, just raise your hand. We're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we pray you fill our hearts and lives, oh God. If you're hungry and thirsty, just Holy Spirit, come pour out. In Jesus' name, I ask, Lord, people that may be brand new to your, your spirit or they may be very experienced, but we're dry. In Jesus' name, would you pour out your spirit? Come right now and saturate our souls in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come, O oh God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord.